Welcome to We Are TV. I am Brenton, joined as always by the lovely Danielle. That's me. And this week we've got another DB&J special. Featuring Jessica. Ta-da! Yeah. Who you might remember from our episode covering The Revenant. Mm. That was welcome. me. Welcome back, Jess. Thank you. I hath returned. Thanks for joining us again as we count up the IMDb's best movies of all time and discuss some of the greatest films you mightn't ever have seen. This week, rated as number 17 on the Internet Movie Database by millions of film lovers from around the world, is One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Released in 1975, starring Jack Nicholson as the lead, One Flew Over Cuckoo's Nest is a hospital drama set in the US state of Oregon in 1963. Based on the novel by Ken Kessie, released in 1962 of the same name, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest is produced by Michael Douglas and directed by Milos Forman. I think it's very interesting that Michael Douglas produced this. It just seems like oh. it's very random. Yeah, I was sitting here and I'm like, who is that guy again? Try- and yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. Mm. I was trying to remember who he was, but yeah. No, I had to I Google it. Hmm? I had to Google it. Couldn't but put you've a face seen in a lot of stuff, though. Yeah, I couldn't yeah. put a face in the name, though. His father was a very famous Golden Age actor, Kirk Douglas. I think he's still alive. The guy's like over 100 years old. I was reading something that he held the copyright for the like screenplay for so long. Kirk Douglas? Yeah, and then passed it down to Michael, who then sold yeah, the rights. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what happened. He, he produced it himself. Um, and I think Kirk wanted to do Jack Nicholson's role, but he was too old at the time. Yeah. So uh, Michael Douglas gave it to Jack Nicholson. Who played it very well, I think. I love Jack Nicholson. I love Jack Nicholson too. And the older he gets, the more of a grumpy old bastard he gets, and it makes yeah. it all the better. He won his first Oscar for Best Actor in this role. I, I can see why. First of three. He's got one for the 70s, the 80s, and the 90s. What were the movies? I know he got it for As Good As It Gets, and I don't remember what he got it for in the 80s. As Good As It Gets was really good too. I think it was As Good As It Gets. That's the one where he has OCD, right? Yeah. The, what's her name? Helen Hunt? Yes. So this movie was nominated for nine Oscars, and it won for Best Actor for Nicholson, as I just said. Actress Louise Fletcher for Nurse Ratched. She mm-hmm. won Best Actress. Uh, best Adapted Screenplay, Director, and Best Picture of 1976. Well, there you go. Which was the first one to win all five since 1934. Hmm. Hmm. There you go. I was just thinking, like, that's all, that's all the heavy hitters. Mm-hmm. I think the next one was um, Sons of the Lambs. Oh. I think that hit all of them when as is well. That? When are we doing that? I think it's like number 22 or something. Are you actually so it's going like, to watch that movie? Yes. It's in about a month. So I've seen that movie so many times. I've seen it once. Hello, Clarice. It's such an influential one that I'll bring myself to see it. But It's I, not that bad. It's we had not a discussion even on it. scary. I'm not, I'm not doing more than I have to. How many scary movies are on the top 100? The only ones I could really look at was uh, Silence of the Lambs and The Shining. Mm. The only ones. And again, I'll watch The Shining, but I think I'll have more of a problem with it. There's quite a lengthy discussion that you and I have while we're looking through some of the items on the list. So if Fine. you're a patron, you'll be able to listen to that. I think it's quite uh, a pretty good conversation. Have you listened to that, Jessica? No. You will wet yourself from laughing at how funny it was, I think. We were going through and deciding which uh, which movies we wanted to do for Would it just mentions. be funny for me because I know you both so well? That's that's why like, Maybe. you'll find it so funny. I mean, it's it's funny enough as it is, but like you being you, you'll find it extra yeah, hilarious, probably. I reckon. Yeah. So. so I think mostly this discussion will be about, rather than the movie itself, it'll be talking about the content of the movie. And the context yeah. of when it was set because... 
Oh my god, do I have things to say. Can preempt some of the things I think that you're going to talk about. Yeah, how do you want to do this? How do you want to get into this? So, we'll start the conversation by briefly talking about the movie and the actors and the actual film itself, and then the rest of the episode we'll be talking about the content. Okay, so what are we going to say represents. Um, So, take that as your sort of spoiler, non-spoiler break, is us talking about the movie, movie and then we'll go into the content. Okay. Um, Leading on from the acting, I really love some of the acting in this. I think that's one of the best parts about the movie, apart from the content itself. Because you've got a young Danny DeVito in this. Louise Fletcher's obviously good. Nurse Ratched. Um, it's the first appearance of uh, Christopher Lloyd in an acting role. Who is well, he? In a feature role. Who is he? Who is <laughs> he? Jessica just gave Danielle a very... Shocked. <laughs> appalled yeah. look. How dare you? Who is he? Is he the dark? Yeah, he's well okay. known for Back Thank to the Future. He was also in The Addams Family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's he, he called? Christopher Lloyd. Okay. Name to a face. What? I know faces. So he'd never been in a feature film before. He's a kind of a funny looking guy, which kind of makes him fit in with this. What, Danny DeVito. Like, I remember watching it. I, I think when I first watched the movie, I would have been 15, maybe. Mm-hmm. So I didn't quite understand the concept. And then when I realized that it was, I watched the credit and it was like Danny DeVito. And I was like, where is he show up in this? And yeah. then I go back and watch it. And I was like, oh, is that what he looks like with hair and he's not fat? <laughs> yeah. My favorite part of his role in this is when they're playing games and everyone's fighting and he takes the die from Monopoly and he's just. He just, just yeah. Yeah. He starts eating it. We sat back and we just howled. I thought it was so funny. Because it's like, that could actually happen. Like, <laughs> yeah, he, lo- he looks so pleased with himself, too. Like, it's like, oh, no. I yeah. like Martini. He's an interesting character. So I've seen this once before, but I, again, I was really young as well. Mm. And I remember the general gist of it, so I didn't remember a lot of it. Um, and you've never seen this before. I've never seen Danielle. it before. And I didn't really know what it was about. I mean, I'd heard... I'd heard of it, obviously, and I knew it was about, like, a mental hospital. But yeah. I'd, it's got Jack Nicholson in a mental hospital. And that's I don't think I even knew Jack Nicholson was in it. Oh, okay. Um, and you I didn't know, you know how who Jack Nicholson was. is? Yes, I know who Jack Nicholson is. <laughs> that's my whole shtick. You can't get mad at shtick. me for not knowing who people are. That's my thing. Yeah, that's, it's in, like, the intro to yeah. We Are DB yeah, that um, Daddy knows fuck all. <laughs> Gee, thanks, Jess. I also realized this week that May in the U.S. is... Uh, National Mental Health Awareness Month. Yeah. And I thought it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that we're doing One Flavor of the Cuckoo's Nest and coming out this Friday is Rain Man. Oh. So we just happened to do two of the best mental health movies in the Mental Health Month uh, in America anyway. Cool. I think this is actually a pretty funny movie just watching the characters interact. Yeah. Like, would you consider it a comedy? I could see why you could. Yeah. Because I have seen it listed as a comedy. As I discussed with Brenton a little bit earlier today, mm-hmm. um, I didn't necessarily get time to watch all of the movie in my busy day-to-day schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, I'm going a lot off memory. Mm-hmm. But I was reading something where the director, the actors weren't actually aware that he was filming majority of the time. So they were like developing their characters and he was actually filming them. So I thought that was really cool. See, I can see that because there's a lot of long sort of just shots yeah. Just on the characters and looking at their little mannerisms and the way that they're interacting with each other. Um, particularly Jack Nicholson. There was one particular long shot there towards the end of the movie where it's it's just on his face for like 60 seconds. And it's just like oh, him I remember thinking that. and you can see him like looking around the room. And I, remember I love those little bits. Watching that and I'm like, what is he thinking? Because he goes from like laughing and smiling to something's like really bothering him or something. You yeah. know what I mean? It's just like, what are you thinking right now? Which is interesting because it could kind of be a commentary on the movie itself and on those kind of patience. Um, you never really know what's going on in people's heads. Yeah, but he's not actually crazy in this movie. No. He's just doing it to get out of the farm. 
I think Jack Nicholson's character is just trying to make the rest of the patients sort of feel normal. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's sort of treating them just like normal people. people. He's like, let's play basketball, let's play cards, um, and let's go fishing, you know? That's yeah. just like, let's just have some fun in our lives. And I think, I don't know how to feel about his character because I feel like he does have good intentions, even though he's sort of a twisted character. Like a master manipulator. Yeah, he is. Yeah. But he kind of just wants them to have the most enjoyable life. I don't know. I kind of have mixed feelings about this because, like I said, he's a mass manipulator, but I don't feel that his all of his actions come from the best place that you can kind of perceive it as because he's he came to the hospital from prison, the work farm. Yeah. So I feel like he's given up his freedom. He's thinking that he's getting out of it, and then he's realized that he's trapped, and Fletcher controls everything that he does, so he's trying to put some normality into this setting. I don't think it's actually him having good intentions. I think it's him trying to oh. manipulate it. So he- It's totally selfish. It's selfish, yeah. yes. 100%. I completely agree, but he's still trying to make the best of it while he's in there. Yeah. And I think it's kind of interesting, like, it's kind of funny reaction uh, interactions that he has with the other characters. I like the basketball scene. Yeah. The way like, on his shoulders. Uh, yeah. He's just moving Chief around and trying yeah. to explain things. Yeah. He's, like, so frustrated. <laughs> yeah. I think it's interesting that everyone thinks- mm. oh, Fuck. That's a spoiler. Oh. I'll do it later. I don't it's have anything else. It's been out since the... Like, I know, but the, the gimmick is that we can't assume that everyone's seen the movie. Well, if it's been over 20 years, it's your own fault. That's why I don't have a lot to say yet, because we need to be in spoilers for me. Do you want to talk any more about the... You were going to bring on a new point, and then we're going into spoilers, because I, I think it should be... Say. If it's been over two decades, then it's your own fault. I recommend you listen to the Inception episode, because we cover on this again, because... We did a spoilers and non-spoilers section for Empire Strikes Back, and that came out nearly 40 years ago. And is that justified? Well, I haven't seen any Star Wars. Exactly. So if so- I was listening to it, the way that I go into listening to podcasts that you guys cover that I haven't watched yet mm. is that this is an interesting insight that I can look forward to when I eventually watch the movie. Yeah, I think that's unique, though, and that's why you would listen past the spoiler section. But if you're like, oh, I want to get to this thing, but I want to also listen to the episode... I, I think it's safe to break it up into spoilers and non-spoilers. All right. Okay. Are we going into spoilers now? Yes, we're going into spoilers now right. because we don't have a lot to talk yeah, about. Yeah, it's kind of hard to avoid. Yeah. My second point that I wrote in my notebook. What was your first point? Oh. My first point was that... <laughs> well, okay. Can you shut up? The first point I want to make, okay? First point I want to make, second point I wrote down in my notebook, because my first point was something about the setting itself and how the walls were fucking dirty. Um, it, My second point... Is it's barely three minutes in and I'm already pissed off. Yeah, I wrote that down as well. Yeah. It was probably two minutes in and you're like, okay, this movie has already pissed me off. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I wrote fuck in my notebook or some variation of that word, like, more times than I ever have in any other writing down just because it made me so angry. So I I have a mental health and community services background. Just for context, going further, um, Danielle does have a diploma in mental health. And Jessica has her education, a diploma in paramedicine. Yes. Just for context, um, I'm the odd one out here, so I'm going to let you guys go. Yeah, Mr. Architecture over there. Yeah, I feel like the main issue that you guys are going to be discussing is this movie's statement on the mental health system of the time in the US. Why it made me angry is that I know this system's not like this anymore, I was frustrated at how bad it was because I think this was actually a fairly accurate portrayal of I agree. of what it was at that time. So this was based in 63. Um, and I hope people know that this is not at all an accurate reflection of what exists in the system and in healthcare now. 
But I was just sitting there and I'm I'm looking at these scenes because I'm like, okay, first of all, she's walking in and she locks the caged door to the ward. I'm like, that's great. So you're a caged animal. And then it's like dehumanizing them, yeah. Yeah. And then I look at, like, it pans around and it shows the ward and how the beds themselves are caged off as well. I'm like, that's so much better. Fucking bars on the windows. Fucking, you know, medication time. Medication time. And you just... Keep them dumb and docile. Yeah, and you don't even, like, humanly interact with them. And that's stupid. Okay, sorry. Here we go. Disclaimer. I'm going to say fuck so many times in this thing because it just, it does make me so angry. I'll put an explicit thing on it so it's like, people know what they're getting into. That stupid fucking little nurse. Oh, the little nurse. She fucking just screams all the damn time because she's so scared of the patients. I'm like, yeah, she doesn't say much. She just follows Ratchet around. Yeah, but like... How many times she's like, eh! every time she's just fucking screaming all the damn time. I'm like, nobody's going to hurt you, bitch. But like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, she's terrified of the patients because she evidently thinks they're crazy. And she's like, well, this isn't what I signed up for. I'm here to like, she probably didn't become a nurse to aspire to work in a you medical know, it's, just, it's the 60s. She probably, what? she probably doesn't even have a nursing qualification. That's it's probably true. But I'm just this. like. They wouldn't interact with them. Like, that little one wouldn't go out on the ward. She yeah, would stay behind the yeah. glass. And then he opens the door and, ah! like, because he comes into the office. Like, it's she thinks she's going to die because a patient's in there with her. Like, oh, my God. What do you think your job is? You know what I mean? I think it's interesting you picked up on that because I don't think the movie was trying to focus on it. It was just a secondary thing. What, her reaction? Well, her as a character in general. I don't think she had a name. And I think why this is touching me so much is because... I've been going through training on how you're supposed to interact with vulnerable people, Mm -hmm. which these patients would be. And I'm just like, do you know how much worse you are making their situation by treating them and behaving the way you're They didn't nearly have the training and education. No, no, I I know that. And I get that. It's just like, I'm just so appalled that it was that bad at one point. I percent agree with you. And like, I know we wouldn't have got here without having those struggles, but it just pisses me off. Because I mean, again, I also come from a place of having a lived experience of mental health. And I'm just thinking like, if I had fucking been in there and you were treating me like that, I'd be ready to punch you in the head too. You know what I mean? Like, just... But I feel like you got to think about the fact that she's probably so petrified because yeah. just like um, McMurphy, mm-hmm. he's not actually crazy. He's a man that's gone to prison who's been transferred over because he's claimed insanity or he hasn't followed orders. So there's probably actually a lot of people in there that are completely sane and are criminals. Well, yeah. especially that most of them were volunteers. So they weren't committed. Most people that were in there. Yeah. Yeah. And fair enough. I just... Knowing how it is now and how it was then, I I just, I looked at a lot of instances where I'm like, you could never do that today. So a character ends up committing suicide because this nurse is friends with his mother and is threatening to tell his mother about something that he did in hospital. And I'm like, that is the biggest sack of shit. I, oh, she I makes my that. blood boil. I hate that Particularly bitch. that scene. Yeah. And then she has the gall to turn around and say... The best way to deal with this is to continue and go about our routine. I'm like, woman, you just killed a young man. He killed himself because you threatened to break his confidentiality. Like, that could never, never happen today because it would be lawsuit city. You know what I mean? Like, that's just not what you do. Things get covered up all the time, even modern day. I don't know. Mm. No, it does. But I'm just saying, like... I know what you're saying. It wasn't, like, it was commonplace back then. (laughs) And it couldn't be now because you're never going to help people if they can't trust you. 
And then none of them trusted her as far as they could throw her. Not even a little bit. What is your um perception on her character? Like, oh, what do you think about bitch. her? I think it's... Yeah, sorry, you guys say something. I was going to say, for and up until that very last scene, I kind of agreed with her. Because she's sitting... Well, okay. She didn't handle some of the situations. Great. But a lot of the times, she's sitting there, she's, like, calmly just saying... Poised. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just let's just talk this through, you know. Like we're doing this therapy. Let's let's have a vote on the baseball game, okay? Okay, we need the majority rule to do this. Sorry, like yeah, I know the audience is meant to be on Nicholson's side, but I kind of agree with her. But she's never coming from a place of being genuine. She's always coming from a place of following the rules by the book. I don't actually think that she knows that she's evil. I think that she is like a silent embodiment of. The what? system. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. she thinks that she's genuinely helping these people, when in reality, she's a bit of a fucking cunt. See, yeah. this is very similar to our discussion with The Revenant, because we were describing Tom Hardy's character very similar. Mm-hmm. It's, he's meant to be just portrayed as the antagonist, and I kind of agree with him for most of the movie, but you, again, you can't blame the character because he's a product of the system of the time. And that's oh, very yeah, yeah. much what this character is. Yeah. Um, at the beginning, the patients were complaining about how she locks the dorms, and- it's protocol. Yes. Her response was, it's better for you to get out and socialize instead of wallowing in your bed. Well, and it? I kind of agree with that. What's yeah. the difference between that then and this now? Like, my history um, with dementia and palliative care, everyone was in a locked unit. Everyone was in a locked unit because it was unsafe for them to be out. Not for the public, but for themselves. Yeah, so you're saying that they should have been locked in their dorms? No, she's saying the, the ward the, itself was the, separated yes. from the rest of the the facility, but within the ward, their rooms, they could get in and out of their rooms, but they couldn't get out of the ward. Right. I just, I kind of agreed with the fact that she was saying it's not good mental health yeah. to go lie in bed until noon. No, yeah, for sure. Which is completely fine. But she was painted as the bad guy in that particular scene. And I think there's a handful of them in there. I was referring to Danny when she said that she walks in and she immediately like locks the door behind her. Right, oh, okay. yeah. So that was referring to a different thing. It's Sorry. just, but even now, the visual in hospitals, you've got like sliding glass doors and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it, like, it doesn't feel like a cage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what it was that it was just like this big, you know, click clink. And then it's got all the. It's a very ominous sound. Stuff. Yeah, it's just. Yeah. So we're looking back at this, something that's set 56 years in the past. I'm wondering how much of this system was around still in 1975, which was only 12 years in the past from when it was set. Um, you know, this was this movie was set in 1975. Well, How much of that was still in play? The, the big thing that people still don't have a good understanding about, and we talked about this, is elect- electroconvulsive therapy. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's still used. It is still used, but it's not nearly what it was. It's much lower voltages mm-hmm. in very specified cases and it actually can be very helpful and therapeutic to the people who undergo it because they need it and it acts like a reset button for your brain it's only short lasting though yeah so the point is well it's like anything it's like the first birth control pills were atrocious and they're much better now but people think you're putting electricity in my head well how do you think your heart beats you know what i mean like it's not a bad thing and it's it's not at all how it used to be I made that comparison to you, and I, I was saying that, the, like, the whole 20th century, well, everyone was just, like, a guinea pig cage of all these different drugs and, mm-hmm. and yeah. um, processes, with the pill as one of them. That was so fucking dangerous when they released the pill. And you were talking about thalidomide, thalidomide. babies yep. and how all those drugs, that, like, there was so much testing 
throughout those decades that that's how we got here i would kind of prefer to be like living in the 1800s when it was more natural kind of births yeah i know they had a lot more issues with their medicine and things but there was so much testing and fucked up shit particularly through the wars Mm -hmm. that was going on in the 20th century people were just they hadn't figured out the science of a lot of these things comes back to technology it does yeah well and we had to go through those periods to get to the advances that we have today and i get that i just it's the treatment would you like to explain briefly how um ect works for those people who don't know so i'm not super clear the only stuff i do know based on um some of my study and some communication with people who have actually been candidates for it Mm -hmm. um like, I would imagine they would still put electrodes to you, but it's not like yeah. Frankenstein Bilateral. whatever. Um, and they just shock you in certain places with a very small jolt. I don't think it's painful anymore. They know. give you um, an anesthetic beforehand. Oh, but basically, good. it can be unilateral, bilateral um, probes that kind of go on the side of your head. And they administer a small amount of electricity to d- disrupt the natural um, path. Brain rhythms, yeah. Yeah, to cause a brief seizure. And kind of reset the chemicals and stuff like that. So you kind of come out. But typically people are unconscious for about five to ten minutes. Yeah. Well, and there's other Give things. Give or take. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's not... The reason why it's a good thing is is because it's a non-invasive procedure. Um, there's testing being done right now, too, with other, like, psychoactive drugs. Like, actually, ketamine infusions are being used for similar purposes to reset the brain in uh, cases of really severe chronic pain and depression. Mm-hmm. Um, and those, it's not approved or anything yet. But the point of doing some of these therapies is that these patients, nothing else is working for them. And so you literally need that reset button, right? So I want people to know what the modern science is so that they don't look at this and go, oh, shit, people are crazy and crazy people got to get zapped. You know what I mean? Yeah. A lot yeah. of people actually aren't aware that ECT is still a thing. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. agree with that. I, I thought it was interesting towards the beginning of, like, the very first scene where he's in the ward. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone's lining up for their medication. And Nicholson's there and he's like, oh, I'm not taking this. And I thought, why is everyone getting the exact same medication? You haven't even diagnosed Mc- McMurphy. McMurphy. McMurphy's character. I'm like, fuck, I'm like, Mc- McFlurry? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you haven't even, like, figured out what, he, what his medication is. Yeah. She was just like, this thing is going to make you better. And I'm like, well... Is it though? What what is it? And he's like, "What's in it? I want to know what it does." She's like, "Just take it. It makes you better." And I'm like, "That's that." What kind of annoyed me in the beginning as well. Yeah, and you can't do that. Now it's to sedate him because he's a jubilant character. Yeah, so they'd be giving them all all the same sedatives, sedatives to like kind of. Well, it's the problem like with what's been happening in age care and things. There's been lots of reports about seniors being over medicated in care. To make them easier to deal with, because yeah, you put them on Nowadays. pills, they're just dopey. Yeah. yeah, there's a there's a big investigation going on right now in Australia, actually, for carers like beating the crap out of their clients. Hmm. They get mad at them, and there's videos and stuff. Of- I've been a part of brief investigations, kind of like rumors that have gone around, and mm-hmm. there's been brief investigations, but I've never seen anyone lose their job over it or had any concrete evidence of abuse. But that's a hundred percent. I'm not saying that it's not out there because it yeah. is, and it's disgusting. No, it mm. totally is. Anyway, the point of bringing that up was to say that sedation and over-medication definitely still happens within the aged care sector. I agree. Just going back to Nurse Ratched's character, I was looking it up. There's a Netflix series on her character coming out this year. Hmm. And it's a prequel set in 1947. And it was about pretty much her progression from a nice lady who wants to get into nursing. And she turns into this person who just 
she's just over it and she wants to follow the system and she kind of becomes a cunt in the end. Yeah. Um, so it's the same producers. I think Michael Douglas is back to produce it. It's the oh, same really? production company as the original movie. That's nice. Yeah, so it's like got some consistency there. Yeah. I think they're looking back to the okay. original source material on Impressive, it. Impressive because he's like 100 years old. <laughs> yeah, I think he's in his 75 or something. Oh, okay. So there is a, a series that I'd be kind of interested to, to see as an origin story of yeah. Nurse Ratched. I want to see what the turning point was. Yeah. Because it would have had to have been something. A single incident in the show where it's just like, okay, she's over it now. Yeah. I want to talk about her character a little bit more. Because I know what you're saying. She's following the system and she's trying to be, you know. Is it because of the way she handles it? Well, yeah, because it's like, who brought it up where he said, I think it was Chet. Cheswick. He's like, why do you just keep probing Billy if he doesn't want to talk about it? Yeah, he clearly doesn't want to answer your question. Stop. Stop. I love him. Oh, yeah. I think he's great. He's one of my favorites. But yeah, it's just, you wouldn't handle it like that. And so again, I think that's not even an era thing. I think that's a human decency thing. And that bothered me too, because people put it as, oh, you're crazy. You Like, you know, you're nuts. You don't deserve the same treatment. I'm kind of really glad that that character stood out and actually that's said that. That's still a stigma. Oh, yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not to, not to say anything. No, about, um, you know, people with disabilities or mental health or people with schizophrenia and things like that, that it's like, oh, they're crazy and, like, you can't trust them. And it's like, no, get a grip. I was thinking that society is handling mental health better than it ever has, even if it is uh, not perfect at the moment, obviously. No. And it's things like having a mental health awareness month in the US. Um, The rest of the world, the International Mental Health Day is in October. I think it's the 10th of October. And October is the the month for everyone else. There's a lot of campaigns and things like that these days. I think the past in general was like this movie. We've moved to a point where we're like, okay, a lot more people than we realize actually have these kind of problems. And that's okay. But the issue is that we realize it, but we, we still as general public don't know how to deal with it. You know, you're like, okay, well, it's okay to have mental health care problems, but I'm still scared of you. Again, that comes you down know? to education. Exactly. I think so that will be fixed next, over time. That's the next step is that we need to do more public implementation of education regimes and just making people aware of that, like, depression is really common and you can actually be really functional with it. I think another one of the big things as to what pissed you off in the first few minutes is they call the big Indian guy chief. Oh, Yeah, and that's a generational thing, too. Yeah, that's another thing that you would never do today. No. Mm. Like, I know older guys who people, my dad's age, who that they call him chief, you know what I mean? And I just think it's a disrespect thing, because to be a chief is a a thing of honor, and it's it's not just anything, it's not a position just anyone can obtain. It's really nice that that's your perspective, though. Yeah. Which obviously we discussed in The Revenant. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not someone that's aware of the indigenous population in Canada mm-hmm. um, or their traditions and culture and stuff like that. So for you to pick up on the fact that it's so disrespectful yeah, is a really nice insight. Yeah. Why do you think his character chose not to talk for so so long? I don't know. And I'm surprised. Like, There must have been times where you just want to like smack someone in the head <laughs> for the way that they're talking to he you. He could destroy someone so He's easily. A He's a Oh, he's a mountain. He is a mountain. Like, he is a big native dude. Like, I've never seen anybody as big as him. You know what I mean? And I mean, there's variation in everybody, but like, crap, is he a big guy? I do like the patience and reservation that his character has, though, to stay silent for so long, not say anything, and take all the shit that is thrown at him. 
Maybe that's the reason, though, is because he's A, fucking huge, and B, he's a native guy who's in a mental ward, Mm -hmm. that if he did stand up and say anything or stand up for himself, he would have a much harsher treatment as to trying to sedate this guy. And I think he kind of mentioned that because he talked about his upbringing and how his father had alcohol problems and... I think it comes back to the transgenerational trauma thing, which it comes around a lot in many indigenous populations just because, wow, this has a lot of ties to the revenant. Who would have thought? Yeah. Um, Because of the oppression that um, indigenous people faced and how that translates into mental health problems and maladaptive coping mechanisms and things. And so he might be in there and he might just not feel like fighting back or standing up for himself because he's never seen a good example of what that is. Do you reckon he got in there because he was a ward of the state? What does that mean? It means that he was taken by the government away from his family. Well, is he in there voluntarily or is he committed? He was committed. Okay. He was committed. So I, my mind kind of goes, especially with that time, yep. it wouldn't have been uncommon that he was in there because he was a ward of the state. Mm. And he maybe he just decided one day that he didn't want to talk anymore, but for whatever reason it could have been trauma-induced, it could have been whatever, and so they think, oh, you've lost your marbles. Okay, send you to the funny farm. You know what I mean? Well, I think you'd probably get all that backstory if you read the novel. I think you guys would get uh, a lot out of reading the novel, and maybe it has a lot of that backstory in there. Perhaps. So in the 60s, everybody smoked all the time everywhere, right? I just thought it was really interesting that they allowed the patients to smoke. So, I mean, obviously they rationed their cigarettes. And it's funny, too, because when I volunteered at the continuing care unit at home. So I was a teenager and I would go there after school some days. Um, They had a smoking room. They let the old folks smoke like in the ward, um, which was different. You don't often see that anymore. They had a special room they had to go to. But I just thought it was interesting because they were all always smoking all the time. I think that's very much uh, a subject of its time because a lot of the – it was kind of treated – similar to a prison and i know it was like a general practice at that in the middle of the 20th century to to give out cigarettes um even when i visited alcatraz i got like a oh, i don't even know what it's called it's like a schedule as to what you're given every every week is like what you're allowed and what your rules are and you were given a pack of cigarettes a week um and what you do with it is that that's like government funded um and it you see that in like movies like the Shawshank even yeah, they're like betting on cigarettes, cigarettes. Yeah. so it was very much a thing of the time and even though this is a mental ward i think they treat it more like a prison than a hospital and you see that in a lot of a lot of the practices mm-hmm. um can i just ask as someone who doesn't really know much about the health practices in the US in the 20th century um what actually happened to nicholson's character at the end when he had the scars on lobotomy. His head. I was going to say lobotomy. He, had a lobotomy. he had a lobotomy. So, so they like cut a part of your brain out. That's what lobotomy means. So the word "tomi" to cut lobe, the frontal lobe of your brain. That's what the actual medical term means. Mm-hmm. There were a couple different lobotomy techniques that were used at that time. Yeah, know- it's just all genera- generalized by the word lobotomy. There are a yeah. couple of different ways. So the lobotomy go. is just like a group of procedures around more or less the um, brain around like doing some screwing with your brain basically yeah so basically um in a nutshell the most common one is to go in through your prefrontal cortex and sever the connections between your brain tissue to basically make you dumb and docile would they do that that was here because what i'm what i'm to purposely damage the brain tissue 
Would that be, just sorry to get right. really technical, but would that have been like the corpus callosum or would that have been actual in each hemisphere of the prefrontal cortex, like what he had? Depends. Okay. Well, it was one on each side. Yeah. The procedure I'm more familiar with is called transorbital lobotomy, mm. which is when they access Ooh, those areas nice through your eye. Ugh. Um, yeah. So that one was particularly popular at that time because it was so minimally invasive. They would just put in a long... Um, it was probe pretty through, much a nice pick. Yeah, through your eye socket oh, into your brain yeah. and basically just mush up your tissue in there. And they thought it was the best thing since sliced bread. They would use it for everything. I actually listened to a podcast about this by um, Stuff You Should Know. Mm-hmm. Right. And oh, the guy that did it basically was like a traveling circus and would go around and perform these in different towns on the road and he'd like have this steel van and he'd like get people up and it was like housewives that wouldn't do their chores or like would talk back. Boom, ice pick through the eye. What the fuck? Yeah, it's That's a thing? fucked up. What, what period of time are you talking here? Like the- I Don't I? I can't remember the 1900s time frame. 1900 to 1950s it was, sort of thing? It was early, early 1900s. Okay. See, and I remember, I think I saw was from probably, it was a time that there were magazines that were publishing fairly good photos um, on a regular basis, so I'm imagining it would have been the 50s, 60s. Okay. And the thing that got me is that, so I'm very big on uh, empirical evidence, so I do a lot of reading of scientific studies from medical journals and things. These popular magazines were publishing articles like journalistic articles about transorbital lobotomy and their empirical evidence were before and after pictures showing somebody who looks sad and somebody who look, who is smiling yeah that was their evidence that it worked that's making you brain dead right yeah yeah okay. that's the only reason you're smiling yes. is because you're a vegetable yeah, yeah okay first, why not just kill them because you may as well just be putting a bullet to their head because people didn't understand the importance of the brain I mean, they did, but they didn't uh, understand exactly what was people, happening. Like, the ancient Greeks knew how important the brain was. Because you still... I think you could still talk in things. You just basically lost your personality. Yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, a big example was... Oh, what's her name? I think it was Teddy Roosevelt's daughter. It was one president's I know what daughter. you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Um, and she had a lot of mental problems. And she was slow. So, they, I don't know if she would have been diagnosed with a like mental retardation or just a learning disorder, but she was slow. And so she'd gone to a lot of really elite psychiatrists of the time. Somebody recommended transorbital lobotomy and they did it to her and she was never the same ever again. I would imagine so. Yeah. But that you know, it's also used for people like McMurphy who are outgoing and ostentatious, I guess you can say, and those people that talk back and those people who don't follow rules and conform. To calm um, you. To yeah. make you a calmer, more docile person. Now, I understand the the need or the want to calm down your patients and make have more control over them. I can see that. But why would you want to have a bunch of vegetables that you're looking because after? Because the doctors, they didn't realize that they were putting their patients into vegetative states because you could, you weren't always just a walking zombie like, right. like McMurphy was. You, you could be responsive, but it would be like, how are you today, Danielle? Good. It wasn't a very accurate procedure. I no. could imagine. So, so you get varied results. A, lo- a lot of people died. Like, I would imagine so, yes, yeah. Yes. So, like you said, the results were very skewed. Like, you'd had something that you were aiming for, but your ability to get that was not very that accurate. That just sounds like a terrible idea and I haven't even studied medicine. Like, I understand that they were a product of their time, but that's a 
fucking terrible idea. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. There's a reason why it doesn't exist anymore. When did that practice finish? Like, when do you think that they stopped using that? I actually don't know. I don't either. Because it'd be interesting if they were still using it in the 70s when this movie was made. Yeah, for sure. I would be, That's yeah. fucked up. I don't think they were in the 80s. I'd no. be very surprised. I think it... Yeah, I don't I know. Had, I don't know. Like I, I mean, this is just conjecture, but I would imagine its prime peak of usage was between the fifties and like mid seventies. That's I'd that's my probably, guess. It, it's a logical guess, and I'll yeah. go with that. Yeah. Side note: stuff you should know is an awesome podcast. People should listen to it. Cool. I wonder how much research they have to do for those episodes because they seem to be like experts on a lot of different. I saw areas. them live. It was great. Oh really? Yeah. How fucking lame am I? I went to a live podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I can just imagine you just sitting there like, oh, yes, this is yes, very yes, interesting. Yes, yes, interesting, yes, I agree. <laughs> Fuck. This is a live podcast and you're here. You're welcome. Yeah, you don't fucking count. <laughs> that end event for me was a big twist. There was a couple things that happened about the last half hour where I was like, holy fuck. You yeah, it just kept escalating from this to yeah, that. Yeah, and it upset me. Um, I, I enjoyed this movie. I truly did. I thought the funny parts were quite funny. I thought it shone a great light on the importance of integrating normal everyday activities into the lives of people suffering with mental yep. health care problems because they can be truly therapeutic. And I thought it was very accurate in presenting like symptoms that people with different illnesses went through and also the facilities of the time. And I just, it made me sad to know that this is what people went used through. to go through. However... It makes me all the more passionate about what I'm doing because I'm going to make fucking damn well sure that that doesn't happen anymore. So Same. I wouldn't say it's one of my favorite movies. I think that it gives a lot of credence to how far we've come Yeah. Um, in regards to mental health. And the movie adds a lot of credence to how far we've come in treating people and those with disabilities and mental health. Yep. Um, and just the value that we now give people who suffer with mental health and who, who have suffer. disabilities yeah. and we're slightly more respectful. We are slightly more educated and I guess the only way we can go is up from here. So yeah. I'm kind of interested to see what they will cover in the, the Ratched miniseries. Oh, me too. Um, just to see how much more of that, particularly when that's set in 1947. So it's a lot. Uh, so how long is she supposed to be in this movie? Uh, I'm not sure. She probably would have started as a war, war nurse then. She's probably in like around 40 in this movie, I guess. I don't know how old the actress was. She probably could have been a war nurse, yeah. I remember there was an episode of Futurama where Bender goes to a mental health facility for robots. Yeah. And then the robot nurse there is called Nurse Ratchet. Yeah. And I thought that was quite clever because she's got the same hairstyle, but she's a robot. And she's, yeah, she's just a bit of a bitch. Um, I think it's one of the more enjoyable parts of this movie for me is just watching those interactions and looking at the actors just in that role, um, just trying to do even little things like yeah. playing cards and the way they talk to each other. And I just find it fascinating just watching them. Um, I just think they're really good actors. Yeah. I thought they all did a really good job. Even the guy who didn't say anything, but he was always just dancing around the world. Yeah. You know? I think Christopher Lloyd plays it so well. He's got such an expressive face. Why did he pick up the water fountain and throw it out the window and then run off into the sunset? I don't even know what was up with that water fountain. What the hell was that thing? So it's the shower block. It had all the hoses and stuff. And it's because in the first tub room scene when they were playing Monopoly, he said, I'm going to the baseball game. I'm going to pick up this thing, throw it at the window, and I'm going. Who's coming with me? 20 bucks says you can't do it. Whatever. So that was the point is that McMurphy said, I'm going to throw this thing out. Well, that's where he got the idea. And he's yeah. like, fuck it, I'm out of here. Yeah. 
Why is that not something we covered? That Chief... I don't know what his actual name is. I think there's Column Chief. Yeah. Throughout this entire movie, he's been complacent and not going anywhere and happy with everything. And then all of a sudden, McMurphy gets a lobotomy and he's um, brain dead now. And then he decides to pick up... That's a good point because I think he's just like, fuck it, you know? McMurphy put that sense of freedom in him. And hope again. Yeah, and he put hope in him again. Yeah. Okay. And to see that this can happen to someone like that. Because he put hope in all of them with that whole party night. Like, yeah. that place was just, like... It's just interesting the little things that, that he did, that character did, um, for everyone. So, even in the symbolism of taking that water fountain and throwing it out the window, it was his idea, you know? Mm-hmm. He's putting that sense of freedom in him, and as soon as he saw that he was he was taken down by the system as well, he's like, fuck it, I'm out of here. I don't yeah. even care. Yeah. Doing it for McMurphy! As you read him, Reynolds. Yep. We have been Danielle and Brenton this week. Thanks for joining us. Feel free to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on all the socials and comment on SoundCloud. And until next week, thanks for listening. That was fucking terrible, Daddy. You weren't even close. I I was trying to throw her off, so she looked ridiculous. Rude. Rude. All right. I also have extensive background in mental health, just in case you want to know. Yeah. Extensive. What's (laughs) that? Let it out, okay? Let it out. Why do I whisper so much? No, you're such a creep. You're such a Bill Cosby. (laughs) Don't get me started. (laughs) It's my fucking (laughs) nose.